Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. My name is Stephen Kohler, and on behalf of all of us here at Audier Labs, I'm absolutely thrilled and honored to welcome our guest today, David Kohler. David, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. It's an honor to be here. Well, the pr privilege is all ours, truly. And uh, for those of our listeners that may not know all of your incredible highlights, I'll, I'll do my best to just hit a few of the, the highlights. Um, David obviously has had an incredibly distinguished leadership career, both within his professional journey, as we'll explore, as well as personally as well. He spent after college, uh, not only time outside of Kohler, but then the next 31 years in a series of leadership positions throughout the organization, starting in manufacturing all the way to the front lines. In 2015, he was named president and chief executive officer of Kohler Company, and also serves on the board of directors there as well. He also has the honor of serving on the board for Interface Incorporated, uh, InterCeramic, and uh, Wisconsin's very own Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Yeah. Um, he uh, is, has a Bachelor of Arts from Duke University and uh, Northwestern University where he received his Master's of Management, my alma mater, Go Cats! Yeah. On the note of golf, David had the opportunity to be general chairman for the PGA Championship. Uh, a number of years ago, as well as general chair for the Ryder Cup. And last but certainly not least, David and his lovely wife, Nina, have four beautiful children and live in Kohler, Wisconsin. David, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. As I said, I'm delighted to be here and I'm happy to go wherever you want to go today and talking about leadership. Well, well, thank you, sir. And I'll just, I'll take that opportunity to jump right in. Before we jump into the professional side of your journey, would love to just start with a little bit of reflections about perhaps the personal side of, of your core values that you've developed over the years, particularly with and around your family and how that may have shaped your leadership outlook. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we're all a product of uh, what we were when and, and how we grew up and the values that were instilled in us um, by our parents and, and others close to us over the years. And, and I'm no different. I think both my parents uh, really shaped the human being that I, I am today. My mother uh, was strong uh, and always there, and, and she really brought forth values around ethics, integrity, honesty is kind of the bedrock of, of anyone. She taught us a lot about believing in yourself, uh, a lot about work ethic, um, and she also um, was very strong on a foundation of equality. Um, we grew up as a, a very fortunate uh, family. You know, I want to say, like Warren Buffett would say, you know, I won the genetic lottery uh, being born into this family uh, with the opportunity. But she also always kept us very grounded. We went to public school and, and she made sure that we understood that we were no better than anyone else. My mother, in, in the day that she grew up, would always say, um, you can tell uh, a lady or a person by how they treat the elevator operator, hmm. which was something I've, I've always remembered. But, but we grew up uh, with those as kind of foundational. My father um, was spending obviously much of his time when we were growing up at work and, and leading by example in that sense, relative to kind of discipline, work ethic, commitment, passion, um, a focus on creativity and the importance of creativity. But he always, um, in addition to that, 
he always believed that he wanted to make us more independent every day. So he wanted his children to be independent. So we were raised very much with that streak and kind of pushed along and challenged and from an early age. And I think all of these values together personally help um, kind of create the composite of who I am. And, and I would say my sisters and all of us as a, as a very, fairly strong, independent, um, resilient breed, if you will. But, but I think at the core of who we are and who I am as a leader, I always think about uh, Jim Collins' definition of level five leadership and the attributes around that uh, of humility and a strong will. And I think, you know, that's who I am, a very grounded um, leader uh, with a strong dose of humility, but um, a strong streak of will and, and perseverance and, and competitiveness in a sense, not competing against other people, but, you know, how do we build an organization that is truly uh, an enduring great company? And uh, that's what we're focused on as a company every day. I love that. And how inspiring. And and if we then kind of build on that, David, and we, we take a look at your professional journey, both before Kohler and then your many opportunities uh, throughout the organization over the last, you know, 30 plus years, what are a couple of the additional perhaps experiences, leadership uh, experiences that have shaped your, your uh, outlook as a leader? I had the fortunate opportunity to work with a lot of great people over the years. You know, I started on the front lines of, of Kohler and, and worked in all of the frontline manufacturing positions. And I worked in, in business development, financial and strategic planning, M&A. Then uh, I went away to business school and, and after graduate school, worked for Dayton Hudson Corporation, as you noted. And then came back into the company and, and worked through marketing, then sales, then general management, and progressively grew in the company. But through that period, I had the chance to just work with some, some great talent. And I think the first lesson you, you learn in life is how much you can learn by listening and working with all of those around you, whether they work for you, whether they work as peers or, or whether they work above you in an organization. Uh, but that openness to continuous learning, to me, through listening and understanding others, um, is just been foundational to my success. So I think um, that's number one. Number two, and, and, and this is always great for any person anywhere in their career, um, you build success uh, by doing a great job with the work in front of you, whatever that is, whether it's, you know, shoveling uh, stalls at a stables or cleaning the floors <laughs> or working, uh, doing your part in a, in a manufacturing environment um, or working um, a, a, as a team anywhere. I think you, you stand out and you progress by delivering results and, and being a great team member with whatever assignment you've been given. And, and so I think it was really important for me along the way, um, my life and my career built incrementally, uh, but it was about really focused on doing a, a great job at whatever I was doing at, at the particular time. And, and if you do well there, it would, would lead to other things. So I think that's um, very important. I also think uh, a quality that I've learned a lot from my father over the years, who I reported to 
in our company really since uh, I want to say 1996, so quite a long time. I've probably reported to him longer than most any other person in our company ever has, and and that quality is backbone. Um, mm-hmm. When when you're a leader or or any position in an organization, it's important to um, understand what you stand for and stand for it. And um, we think about in our company, we think about two qualities in, in any associate. We think about somebody's ability to challenge and, and somebody's ability to connect. So we, we want to build leaders and, and associates that both challenge each other, challenge themselves, but they also connect with others. And that's really that top right box of challenge and connection that's so important. But part of that is, is being comfortable with yourself and your backbone and ability to stand up and say no, or say, you know, we can do better or ask questions, you know, why do we do it this way? You only really drive progress um, and true differentiation and, and, and achievement and push the edge when you're willing to challenge uh, and challenge the status quo. So I think those are those are things that I've definitely learned along the way in a very hands-on environment. It's it's so inspiring, and and I hear that leadership humility that you referenced earlier in terms of the roles that you've taken on that that listening that you obviously have practiced throughout your your leadership career. I love your point about courage and backbone along with connection. Now I'd love to transition to the next question because the last two years in terms of the the, the experience that we've all lived through with the global pandemic has been a test for, for all leaders. And as we know, you know, the true test of leadership, many say is not when times are going well, right? It, it's, it's when things are tough. And I guess I'd love to hear maybe a reflection or two about how you and your team led uh, during the pandemic and, and what you learned from it. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think we, we start from kind of who we are and we're an organization that's almost 149 years old. And we've been through a lot. We've been through 18 recessions. We've been through two depressions. We've been through the global financial crisis, the recent pandemic recession. So we've, we've been through a lot. And I think what we've learned about ourselves as an organization is this strength of tenacity, perseverance, a belief in oneself, a belief in our organization. And we know we can persevere through the most difficult times. So we entered the the situation with that kind of foundation. And and that's important because in a crisis like this, there's danger and opportunity and you have to control what you can control. So from the beginning, uh, we set out with a confident mindset. We didn't know what this was gonna entail, if the world was gonna really indeed fall apart, but we knew that we were gonna focus on this idea or ethos called Kohler Strong. Hmm. And that meant to us, emerging from whatever this was, uh, stronger, more connected as an organization, better leaders, more customer focused and connected with our customers, more innovative. And so we focused on that and that helped us keep our head in the game, make sure we were investing, doing smart things, while we were also making sure we were protecting the company financially through you know, controls and conservative management in the first half of 2020. And then uh, all things started to change in the second half of 2020, as we realized the world was not shutting down and business actually started to expand pretty dramatically in certain industries like ours. 
But it was really that focus on, on Kohler Strong and perseverance and how do we seize this opportunity to actually be stronger on the other side. And I think in the end, that's the way we look at challenges like this all the time. You have to control what you can and, uh, and make it through. I love that. And, and you spoke a moment ago about connection being a, a, a huge part mm -hmm. of the culture. And I'd love to build on uh, what you just mentioned about how, how you were Kohler strong and continue to be Kohler strong. How, as you look ahead in terms of this question around ways of working, right? Hybrid, in the office, not in the office. How are you continuing to maintain that sense of connection as you look ahead as a culture? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, and I think we're all uh, learning together and, and going through this together. And, and I'm not sure there's one right playbook it's what's right for your organization. And even in our company, we have 40,000 associates. There's a lot of different organizations all over the world doing different things. And, and so the approach has to be tailored to that. But what we certainly found is that uh, we can offer more flexibility and associates like flexibility in general. And I think, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And and in, in different parts of our organization, we have teams that are fully remote. We have teams that I would say that over 60% are probably hybrid. Hmm. And then we have teams in manufacturing and other areas that have to be on site all the time. So we have a combination, but I also believe really very highly in the importance of interpersonal contact, you know, physical um, you know, collaboration. Uh, the speed of communication, the quality of communication, reading body language, all of these things cannot happen just virtually. And, and so I really, you know, profess the importance of being together when we can. It may, it's not every day of the week for everything. Sometimes we actually have too many meetings and too many things, <laughs> but um, we can't under kind of um, under utilize the importance of, of being together. We're social beings and, and we have to, we can be our best when we work as a team like that. And, and also it's critical for, for areas around innovation, strategy, where you really wanna tease something out and, and challenge and discuss when you're looking at visual things together and designing. Um, and when you're developing talent, that's the whole other dimension of what we do is develop talent and culture. And, and you need to get people together to do that. So we wanna make sure in our hybrid structure and on-site, we're taking advantage of that. And then for remote teams, what we're trying to encourage, if you have fully remote teams that are working on integrated work products, mm -hmm. um, we'd like to see them come together for a week, a month, if they can, in some hub around the world or at least every two months, get together uh, to spend a week working together in that structure. And, and my team, uh, frankly, is, as soon as we uh, move forward a little bit, is going to be working in that way too. My team will physically co-locate co together hmm. uh, in a hub for a week every month and uh, lead by example in, in that context. Love that. And what a way to role model for the rest of the organization, um, those values. Now, you mentioned one of my favorite topics, it, it certainly as it relates to Kohler and, and so many organizations, and that's, and that's innovation. Obviously, 
so many of us associate Kohler with quality and innovation. One of the areas I've been particularly inspired by for the last several years that I've seen really on display and, and Kohler leading the edge is particularly its focus on integrating technology uh, as part of that innovation strategy. I'd love if you could just maybe share with our listeners a little bit about how you see technology continue to support Kohler's mission going forward. Well, we think it's essential. I, you know, one of our guiding principles is to live on the leading edge of design and technology in product and process. Mm. And um, we like the uh, definition uh, that Frank Lloyd Wright used about design, form, and function in perfect harmony with nature. So that's how we, we think about great design. Great design should create an amazing consumer experience. And it's probably embodies both form and function or technology. But we don't believe in technology for the sake of technology. It should be there for a purpose um, to create value for that overall experience of the product. So we're very conscious of how we integrate design uh, and technology together in a very intuitive manner. Uh, so that's, that's what we think about when we think about smart products that can have incredible capability to personalize or allow people to control and program environments, but we want them to be able to use it seamlessly and, uh, and, and not have to overthink it. But it's, uh, it's tremendously important to our kitchen and bath business. It's obviously quite important to our power and clean energy business, uh, which is very uh, technology driven. And then more and more, we're, we're investing significantly on software platforms that will underpin service offerings as well as product technology going forward. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, thank you for highlighting, of course, the aspect that design has had throughout Kohler's history. And that makes me think about an area that I happen to have a lot of passion for, which is the arts. I'd love for you, for those not familiar, maybe to highlight a little bit about Kohler's longstanding partnership with the arts and artists and, and your vision of how that partnership looks going forward. Yeah, we, we've always believed in the importance of the arts. And there's a, a wonderful quote by an English philosopher named John Ruskin, who said, life without labor is guilt labor without art is brutality. And it kind of sums up our, our culture pretty well. We have a, a deep appreciation for the arts and design, but we also have a very strong work ethic as, a, as an organization. And so we, you, you see the, the importance of the arts through all many threads of, of our history. Um, more recently in, in 1966, the, the John Michael Kohler Art Center was created. And my late aunt, Ruth Kohler, who passed away um, last year, actually, was, uh, was really instrumental in building the Art Center. Um, she did a, an incredible job of bringing that organization to life and really focusing it on self-taught artists uh, to such an extent that today it's one of the greatest repositories of, of collections from self-taught artists and it's amazing. And that led to the development of the Art Preserve. And then Ruth Kohler uh, and my father in the early 70s created a program called Arts Industry, where we would sponsor artists to travel to Wisconsin and use our manufacturing facilities to create art that they could they then take and, and exhibit or sell, but help them really move their careers along by giving them access to this incredible industrial 
uh, landscape of capabilities to create art. And so, you know, you imagine these artists are used to working in a small workshop to be able to come into our facilities and see cast iron and ceramics and this equipment, as well as, as able and ready uh, associates and technicians there to help them. Uh, it, it's been amazing. And we've had over 500 artists throughout that history uh, in Kohler creating incredible art. And I think we've helped so many of them nurture their careers and develop their careers. And so those are just you know two of the elements. We're very active in preservation projects around the state and around the country. Wherever we can find opportunity to, to support the arts, in a way that's you know also meaningful to, to values within it that we care for, um, we're always there and, and all forms of art because they are leading expressions of design, which we're very passionate about. So it's, uh, it's critically important to what we do. That's amazing. I, uh, I'll share a, a quick anecdote. Uh, you know this, David, I had the good fortune when my father was uh, working for Kohler in Spartanburg, South Carolina, in that plant, seeing many artists working in residence next to the manufacturing, it was just so inspiring. And, and to know that, that Kohler is, is, is having that kind of partnership with the arts is just truly amazing. Last question, um, shifting gears a little bit to the world of golf and sports. For those not familiar with uh, perhaps all of the partnership that Kohler continues to have an impact in the world of golf, Kohler obviously recently hosted the Ryder Cup which was a smashing success by all counts. And I just want to highlight for those not familiar, it was, it was pulled off virtually without a hitch in the, in the, on the heels of a pandemic. And so from a leadership perspective, David, I'd love to hear, given the massive amount of coordination that that took, what do you think are a couple of things that led to it being so successful? Wow, that's a really, uh, really, really good question. I, I think, you know, let's just start at the beginning and, and kind of the story of how we got into the golf business, because for that to even happen here in, in rural Wisconsin, you you had to have a, an incredible destination. And, and that was really my father and, and Pete Dye, the two of them who uh, created this set of incredible golf courses here in Wisconsin, which ended up making Wisconsin a global golf destination. And uh, it was a great story of, of really building unique, innovative, you know, experiences, if you will, which, which golf and golf courses are, but all flowing from our mission and our guiding principles. Uh, my father and, and Pete just applied that, if you will, to building golf courses. And, and we had an incredible uh, pieces of land here in Wisconsin for them to work with, but they created what are a, a set of amazing championship golf courses. So it never would have even been a possibility if they wouldn't have had this incredible foresight and ambition to build these courses. And they wouldn't say it was a great vision. They would say, we built a great course and it got filled and we built another one. And so they, they built our business in golf very much like the game of golf where you hit a shot, you go to it. So, you know, first of all, the credit goes to them. But then I would say that, you know, it, it's all about an incredible uh, team of people uh, at a lot of levels. Uh, first of all, we, you know, we built that we've had six majors in the Ryder Cup. So we built a strong team of people within Kohler Company and the community that have worked at all of these majors that know how to lead teams within that and create an incredible experience. So 
it, it, that was very helpful. And then building that continuity of experience in our volunteer base, hmm. not only here in Wisconsin and in this corridor, corridor down to Chicago, but we've had volunteers that have worked all these events from all over the Midwest and the country. So we ended up having just this incredible, I would say one of the most, if not the most experienced team in golf for running majors that was able to focus on this. And every major we, we run we, or, or event, we focus on how do we make this the best one yet? And, and so that you know, bar raising um, challenge, we apply to everything with the quality of team we, we, and, and the work with the PG of America, who's got a great team as well, you know, together we're able to, to elevate the experience. And uh, so I think we created a stage and then what Captain Stricker did with the American team, he's an understated, you know, high humility leader. So an interesting study in leadership right there. Hmm. Uh, but Captain Stricker was able to assemble a team and, and lead them uh, to, to the largest margin of victory in, in recent history. So it was honestly a smash hit. And and uh, Jaime Diaz, one of the most notable golf writers, uh, said of the 94 Ryder Cups, uh, this one, he would have to say, is, uh, is the very, very best or 94 year history of the Ryder Cup. This one was the very best. That's amazing. And uh, if, if I may, I'll borrow from a couple of musical metaphors that I heard. One was that you you built collectively, you built an amazing stage and then and then you brought an incredible ensemble together and bravo to everybody involved. David, thank you so much for your time. We all here at Audir and all of our listeners wish you an amazing next 150 years uh, and are just grateful for uh, you joining us today. Thank you much so much, Stephen, and thank you for all the support and uh, best wishes to you and your listeners. Thank you so much. Cheers.